0: Hey, Marlins fans, it's Jeremy Taché here. And before we get to our normal content within this episode of Swings and Mishes previewing opening day, I wanted to talk to you about our brand new sponsor, Symbol. S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Now, Symbol is essentially the stock market for sports. It allows you to trade sports teams like their stocks and earn real cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has taken their love for sports and the stock market and blended it in a really cool way to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams without the high fees and high losses of normal sports gambling. What you could do is you can use your sports knowledge to buy low on a team like the Marlins and ultimately sell high and earn cash payouts when your teams win. I'm actually one of the 2,000-plus early adopters who've started to invest in their favorite teams. I quite literally yesterday before we recorded this logged in to Symbol and purchased some stock in the Marlins. And the way I did that was by going to www.simbull.app. That's simbul la dot symbol.app. Or you can visit the link that is in our description, symbol.app slash swings, to create your free account And when you go to make your first deposit, be sure to use the promo code SWINGS for a $10 deposit bonus and go ahead and buy a share of some Marlins just like I did or any other team you're bullish on for that matter. Visit symbol.app and use the promo code SWINGS for a $10 deposit bonus to help start building your portfolio. Join me. And come be a part of this really interesting stock market for your favorite sports teams. Start investing in your favorite teams today so that when they win, you win. And Craig, Symbol is doing big things here with leagues across the nation in terms of sports and creating this stock market. Really enjoying it, Craig. I think it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and and I think that for those of you who may be learning about Symbol for the first time, with all of the different sort of ancillary investments that are going on right now. I was really interested in having them come aboard for us with us this season. And so my advice is that, you know, first of all, you however you feel about the Marlins is certainly one way that you could go about doing it, but there are other teams that if you feel that they're going to make a jump, my advice would be to follow those links that Jeremy just mentioned and make yourself a deposit and get in on this before it blows up like a lot of the other uh, things have that we've seen. So based on at least what I have seen, I think there's a really good chance that if you do that, that you could make yourself some extra money this baseball season. So make sure you check out Symbol. And Jeremy, thanks for going through that and explaining how it works. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And this wouldn't be an episode of Swings and Mishes if it didn't start with a Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to another episode of Swings and Mishes. As you guys already know, I'm Jeremy, that's Craig. We are so excited as it is opening day across Major League Baseball and for the Miami Marlins at 4 o'clock against the Tampa Bay Rays. How are you feeling today, Craig, as we finally reached opening day?
1: Yeah, in in one sense, I'm very much relieved that, that baseball is actually going to have a real opening day and, and fans in some way can enjoy it, whether it's at home or watching it in person. I think that those are just two great ways that we didn't really know a few months ago were going to be able to happen. I think that for people who follow me on social media, you saw that I was vaccinated for the second time yesterday. So I feel a little bit more at ease with going to the ballpark and covering baseball and doing things in person And so whatever choice you make, as far as that is concerned, I I think that for baseball, at least from my perspective, it makes me comfortable Uh, and, and, and hopefully for those of you who decide to get it, it'll make you comfortable as well if you choose to go that route. But uh, yeah, I, I think that the Marlins certainly have now carried some new expectations into 2021. They've definitely been doing some pretty significant things off the field, which we'll get to here. And they have come out of spring training and into opening day, I would say as healthy or more healthy than almost any team in Major League Baseball. And we've seen some big, significant injuries across the league with the White Sox, yesterday the Royals, looks like the Blue Jays too, their big prize free agent George Springer is going to start the season injured. Miami goes into the season as healthy as you could possibly want with their 26-man roster.
0: Which is incredible news for the Marlins. And actually earlier this week, we had a couple of big uh deals in terms of financial news for the marlins uh both the ballpark and the new uh tv deal so we have ballpark naming rights it's loan depot park and then of course the new tv deal with what is now Bally sports florida and sun so craig uh your thoughts on both the tv and ballpark deals
1: yeah, I, I think they're both going to give the club a little bit more financial flexibility in terms of the payroll. I know people have been asking that question and and kind of what this will mean for the future. but it was it was simply put one of the worst deal television deals in baseball going into their new deal that they did. And so that certainly has changed. And now they have what I would consider a, a fair deal, all things considered, pandemic related, and, and baseball related, they're not going to certainly be at the top, but they're not going to be, uh, you know, at the bottom either. And so mm-hmm. that will give them more flexibility. And in addition, this new deal with Lone Depot park puts them in a category of having stadium naming rights, which is something that was just long overdue. And there's a few more layers with the, with the naming rights that are, are kind of important to mention. The first is, is that in terms of financially, Uh, You know, Barry Jackson, my coworker at the Herald, I think more or less broke down, uh, you know, some of the specifics there without knowing the exact financials on it. I I think that it compares to a lot of other stadium naming deal rights deals where basically it's, uh, I think Milwaukee is the one that he used the most recent one where I think the number there was 4 million. And my, my estimation is, is that it makes sense that it's right around that range. Mm -hmm. where you're, you're, you're basically getting, you know, somewhere in the four to five million dollar range for that. My, my guess is that is accurate. And, and also, let's also not forget the other layer here is that, that loan Depot is also a big part of what major league baseball is doing financially too. So I don't know in what way that they're directly connected, but I would not be surprised at all is this that they're working together here in some way where the Marlins got the naming rights, but loan Depot I think is going to have a major footprint on what major league baseball is doing in 2021 as well. I know they had some other options as far as naming rights are concerned and maybe at a later date, we can kind of go through those, but they were not financially as lucrative as this one. And I believe that that was really the main emphasis as to why loan Depot ended up being the, a title sponsor the the new sponsor of where the marlins are going to play
0: yeah i'm just here for the loan depot nlcs at Lone depot park that's what i'm that's what i'm prepared for you
1: don't you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that if they're heavily involved in major league baseball this was just a natural arm yep. a natural extension as to what they did with them but yeah they did have other choices for sure and i'll know that that I know exactly, or if I'm even at Liberty to, to talk about it here, but you know, I'll, I'll at some point I will, I, I assure you that.
0: Yeah. And with the TV side of things, just to make mention as I am a part of the Valley sports, Florida crew, um, yes. I'm super excited to to be involved with them and, and be doing some Marlins coverage on the digital side for Valley sports, Florida, but I am super excited for you guys to see the new graphics and hear the new intro music and everything that's associated with it. It is it's, it's a nice freshen up from where things were. I think it's, it's going to be a cool new look. But as we get to the baseball side of things, the one big competition this spring, really, when we look back at it, was second base between primarily Isan Diaz and Jazz Chisholm, albeit obviously John Birdie, part of that competition. Um, and Jazz comes away the winner. On our last episode, uh, you and I spoke about this, and we both predicted that Jazz Chisholm would ultimately win the job. And this is Pretty early on in spring, uh, as both Eson and Jazz were struggling a bit. Um, and Eson seemed to have that early lead, but Jazz ultimately wins the competition. Craig, what are your thoughts there on Jazz Chisholm being the opening day second baseman and Eson Diaz being sent down to AAA?
1: Yeah, we were right, but I don't know that our process was right, which is kind of the sure. funny part of, of of the way that this went. I think that my process and my thinking was that i think believe the last time that we did an episode here was that i believed and i think i've said this here and other places too that that jazz all they needed was a validation of Mm. of him and they had determined going into this thing that he was going to be the guy he just needed to validate it in the spring and and i would love to say that i was right and that's what i thought and that's the way that it worked out but i don't know that i was right about that now that i think it through and i and i kind of go back and look Because I think that their perfect scenario would have been for both players to have great springs and then to have a tough decision to make by essentially sending Jazz to AAA and having Eson start the season in the big leagues. I think that would have been the perfect scenario for them. But here's what happened. So Jazz basically hit a home run, I believe, in his first game of the spring or close to it then went into a little bit of a funk where his swing wasn't what they wanted it to be. I'm not sure that the approach was what they wanted it to be either. Defensively he makes all the plays. Yep. And and then, and, and then Eson started to get on base a little bit more in that first week of the spring. And so you were wondering, okay, well, can he translate getting on base and being patient to some hits? And, and a couple of those came in in the first week of the season And then in some of the questions that I started to ask as we got into, I believe, the second week of the spring was, hey, like, where do we kind of stand here with, since reporting? And I was told, hey, you know, look, I mean, the the club would love for Jazz to go out and just crush it and win the job, but he's got no AAA experience whatsoever. And it's kind of hard to make that call because we would love to have him developed a little bit more before he made the big leagues. But he clearly... In the last couple of weeks, turned it up a notch. Yep, goes without saying, and and ended up the starter. Now, I, I I am very careful about my words as far as saying that he won the job, because I really feel like the other player lost the job more than Jazz won the job. I know that's going to be hard for a lot of people to swallow, uh, but when I do work here on on this podcast and and you'll read a a column coming from David Fernandez too, about Isan Diaz is this, this was a very disappointing outcome for him. And, and even for the club, he went hitless in 21 straight at bats before hitting a ball very hard at the end that they called an error that I thought was a hit. I even tweeted, it was a hit. I was at the game. I thought it was a hit. I don't know what happened there, Uh, but but he, he did not look good at all yeah. in the last few weeks. He struggled. And and I believe that there were there were a lot of things that went into that, which would include his aggressiveness at the plate and his intensity on the field and and just simply going into a funk that he could not get out of. The club is going to say all the right things about their players. Let's not mistake it. Let's not get it twisted. You're never going to hear the general manager or the manager go on a on a podcast or on a zoom Jeremy and say Ison Diaz was not good. And that's why we sent them down. Right. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, he, he just was a very, he of all of the fantastic things that happened for the Marlins this spring across the board, pitching, hitting defense. Unfortunately, he was the one pretty big disappointment for them. Does he have a future with the organization? Uh, personally, I don't think so. I think that uh, while he'll have another opportunity to play with them and he'll have another opportunity to play in the big leagues, as he should, there is no scenario where I see them handing over the keys to second base with him in 2022. I-, I personally don't see it. I think that he'll get his chance again with the Marlins. And boy, let me tell you, he better make the most of it the next time because he certainly did not this time. And And that's tough to say about a young kid. I get it. I understand it and but but this is the reality of the game he had his chance and and did not come close to looking like a big league player this spring just didn't happen Mm. and and while it might be too late the only hope
0: uh is that clearly you know he goes down to triple a and tries to salvage that confidence that originally he came up with as a hitter what feels like forever ago now considering how much baseball and you know, the pandemic and everything has been played since then. Um, but it would be great to see Eson turn it around at some point, whether that's with the Marlins or not. And obviously with Jazz Chisholm, knowing that Diaz is sort of nipping at his heels, you hope he gets off to a hot start as well. Um, but
1: let's... Yeah, let's yeah. And, and I want to, and, and look, you ahead. know, and going back to Jazz, there's a lot of very positive things to say. And I think that they believe that he could be the future of the franchise and, and, and could be a dynamic player in the big leagues. I believe he'll bat seventh, for, for the marlins at least at least to start the season but when when i do when i do work and i do shows and i do podcasts it does not take a genius to come on and do a, a podcast or a column and and for 30 minutes to glow about how good jazz Chisholm is you are always right. going to get the other side with me and i feel like there's always two sides to a story here and if i don't tell it i'm not doing my job so that absolutely. that's the bottom line with that competition
0: absolutely and and that gives us a chance to sort of
1: transition
0: over to the overall outlook for this team so we're going to go sort of position group by position group starting with the starting pitchers obviously uh it, it'll be four starters to open um with the opening day roster as it's sandy alcantara pablo lopez eliezer hernandez and trevor rogers making that opening day squad what are your thoughts on the starting pitching obviously with Sixto sort of waiting in the wings
1: Very underrated and not ranked highly enough in in virtually Mm -hmm. everywhere that I've seen. This is the one I would say either either the analysts don't know or they're being disrespected. I I mean, I tend to think it's not disrespect because I think that that word is just being used way too often in South Florida for all of our teams and all of our sports. (laughs) I mean, mean, South Florida sports. We love it. (laughs) I mean, you do too. You're on it also. You guys just need to get over yourselves with this. Nobody Uh, cares nobody is disrespecting fans and teams. Right. And I mean, my gosh, I am just so tired of hearing that. Uh, but, but it just doesn't stop. Like the, the hurricanes right. will win like three games and people will wonder why they're not ranked number two. And it just, yep. it's just, it's just, it drives me crazy. But aside from that, I think that the pitching in particular, I don't know what people are missing here. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, it, it has a chance to throw a 200 innings this season and and get back to the all-star game and be the front man in this rotation there's no doubt uh, I have zero issues with him and I think he is in line to have a very solid season Pablo Lopez in terms of a number two he look he hasn't thrown 200 innings in a season hasn't thrown 180 innings in a season it's going to have his work cut out for him to be able to do it and prove that he can stay healthy but he's as solid as number two as there is I think that if If he was on another team, he'd be a number two on another team, too. He is right there in in the top three in terms of the rotation. Now, it gets a little different from there. Eliezer Hernandez uh, has a chance to now establish himself in the big leagues this year. Uh, The one thing that regardless of how good he is through two or three or four innings, the club does not let him go more than five. He's the kind of pitcher that third time through the lineup, the numbers decline significantly. So he would really have to be efficient in the first few innings to even get a chance. I think at the sixth and seventh and eighth inning, the Marlins would have to have big leads. So Eliezer is a five inning pitcher, no more, no less. What he does with those five innings remains to be seen. He has a chance to be very good. I personally don't think he'll go deep into games at all. So that does beg the question, if he's the three, and Trevor Rodgers goes into the season as the four, and he's also someone that has not thrown big innings, the team is really going to have to be prepared with that bullpen going into starter four, and eventually, when Sixto Sanchez comes back, starter number five. But as far as the way they stack up, Jeremy, to start the year, uh, I am very bullish on the pitching uh, Trevor Rogers, I've tried to find odds on him winning the the Rookie of the Year. I believe he's twelve to one in some spots. He's not even on the board in some others. Amazing. He has been the star pitcher of the spring in terms of the group that we're talking about here. Sixto is predictably a week late, two weeks late. I do think he'll be in the rotation. Uh, I, I I have no concerns about any of the pitchers that we just talked about. My only concern with Sixto Sanchez is just once again. Going into the year, making sure physically he is okay, and that goes for his arm, and it also goes for his body, too. He has got to stay in shape. He has got to stay physically fit in order to throw 150 innings this season. I believe his number, in terms of his innings limit, is going to be in the 150 to 170 range. Maybe it hits 170 if they hit postseason time in late September. I think they would love to have him in that 150 range so that in 2022, he can be a 200-inning pitcher. And that's the way the rotation begins. You have a couple of starters who are not going to be in the rotation to begin the season. Nick nyder they're going to need him eventually. Braxton mm-hmm. Garrett, they're going to need him eventually. And Dan Castano, who just seems to get called upon whenever they need somebody mm-hmm. to go, he would be in that six, seven, eight starter Uh, mix with uh, Gio Gonzalez no longer being part of the club so they have a solid five to begin three guys in waiting and clearly at some point they're going to have to develop another pitcher or two because there certainly exists the chance that they could throw 10 starters out there this year teams have to do it sometimes Miami could be in that in that conversation too
0: yeah but it's it's certainly a deep starting rotation and and just like you said I am very excited to see what trevor rogers does this season i remember at the beginning of spring don mattingly mentioning specifically rogers and just that he came back as as almost a mammoth version of himself how how physically large he he is on that mound so i'm excited to see him and the stuff as he dominated throughout the spring and They'll toss it out to that bullpen, which is a new look bullpen. It is um, obviously the Marlins' bullpen last season was essentially its own new look bullpen as right. they replaced players throughout the season because of COVID and other you know injury issues. What are your thoughts on the bullpen uh, that performed pretty well during spring training?
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely on paper. It looks like it's improved. It's no different than most major league clubs that churn their bullpen and bring in new players. Miami is basically going uh, almost from scratch here. It appears as I'm kind of just, you know, sort of thinking this through. I mean, from opening day last year, is Yemi Garcia I mean, I'm trying to think, was there anyone else outside of Yumi Garcia, even on their, their opening day roster last year? I think he's the only one. Yeah. I so think he's the
0: only one left.
1: yeah. So, so we'll start from the ninth back. Anthony Bass will be the closer. We know that story. We don't need to keep revisiting the fact that they won't name one. We know that in the ninth inning, when they have a one run lead, Anthony Bass is going to get the ball. Garcia is going to have a chance to be the eighth inning guy. Will he get save opportunities at some point? Look, he certainly could. I've never seen Don Mattingly use anybody more than one guy, but we You know he is a a guy that could get that opportunity. He deserves it. He pitched extremely well last year. Did not pitch well in the postseason. He's looked okay, I think, in the spring. Uh, but he he will get that first uh, crack at that. And then look, I'm not going to go through this name by name because there's mm-hmm. a lot. But they they acquired Floro. He hasn't had a great spring. He had a late start. He would be in the mix. John Curtis, I saw pitch last year in person when the Rays came here. I think he's got a chance to be in that high leverage, high-ish leverage situations. Adam Simber is going to come in to get ground balls when, they, when they're runners on base. That's going to be his role too. And, and then you, you have some compelling names in the Rule 5 players who they ended up keeping in Zach Pop and Paul Campbell. I think Campbell could end up being a guy that gets used in a long situation where where either the Marlins have a big lead or they're losing by a lot and they need some innings to be eaten. I think that's where Campbell's going to come in along with Ross Detweiler, who also had a poor spring. He'll need to Ross Detweiler has got to show who he was last year in April or May, or, or there, or that's going to be it for him. Um, I, I think he's, he's got a chance to be great for this bullpen, but he's, he, I don't know what happened to him in the spring. He showed nothing. And then Zach pop very strictly Jeremy at the beginning of the season, is going to be used in the lowest of leverage situations. The games are blowouts. Uh, they're up big. They're down big. They need to eat, eat an inning or two. They're going to work him in slow. He is not ready, I don't think, to pitch in, in big leverage situations. And, and the other names that I mentioned are. So uh, Blyer also is a very nice late leverage arm as well. Their bullpen looks on paper like it is improved. Bullpens are extremely hard to predict. I, I can't sit here and say they're going to have the best bullpen in, in the league or the worst. I don't know. I never would have thought the Phillies would have had the worst bullpen right. of all time last year in oh. games, and they did. So we, we're just going to have to see on that. That's that's mm-hmm. not something I can't predict. But I do like Anthony Bass in the ninth. So I do think that that is a guy that will get the job done for them. And And provided they win the amount of games that I think that they're going to win, he has a chance to save 30 games this year. If
0: Anthony Bass could be in a, as good of a closer as he is on Twitter, the Marlins will be in good shape. He's got a good Twitter game, that Anthony Bass. Moving on, <laughs> moving on to the uh, to the infield group for the Marlins. Obviously, we already highlighted second base and Jazz Chisholm winning that job, but with the infielders grouped in with the catching position, what are your thoughts on sort of the way they'll maybe platoon over at first base and and what we can expect from the infielders?
1: yeah sure catching is still a little messy I'm, I'm not sure what to expect this year I, I don't think major changes are coming for Jorge Alfaro I think you kind of know who he is and Chad Wallach will back him up so that's that's what they're going to have going into the season and and if I had to guess what the 2021 June draft is going to look like it would include a college catcher yep. of some kind in rounds three four five somewhere along those lines they, they're just going to have to upgrade that and, and develop that by the way too they just really outside of will banfield haven't attacked that position and banfield still is at the very least i think a year or two away from from having a shot but uh they they do like him uh okay so first base look Eric cooper should be the starter he is not they're choosing to go with jesus aguilar cooper is their best hitter cooper has a chance if he plays every day to hit 30 or 40 home runs but they're going the route of using Jesus, who also had a very nice spring. He is a team leader. He had a good year last year. The whole situation is not optimal. Uh, Marlins rolled the dice thinking there would be the DH. So yep. did a lot of other teams. And and that did not work out. And now they're caught. And there's not much they can do. I believe uh, that they're making a huge mistake if they play Cooper in the outfield. I, don't, I would not do it. I've seen this play out. Stanton, Judge. Uh, Big guys get hurt playing the outfield. Cooper is going to dive for a ball. You cannot stop the athlete. They're going to try. Eloy Jimenez dove over the fence and is out for the year. Uh, I think it's a mistake. I, I would not put him out there, but, you know, they want to get his bat in the lineup. And that's part of the conversation. I just don't want to sit back here three months from now and say, why did they do that? And just not play him at first. But that's the route that they're choosing to go. At second, we know Jazz Chisholm is there. We've talked about him enough. Not, nothing much more to say about Miguel Roas. You know who he is. Had a great year last year. I would expect nothing less. Le- in all likelihood, he'll bat eighth for the Marlins to start the season. And then Brian Anderson will build on what he did last year and uh, did not have a great spring, but I don't would not look anything further into that. Also, there's been no discussion as far as extending him long term, and then and then the the backup infielder at this point is just John Birdie, who I think that there are some that feel even within the organization that John Birdie earned himself the starting job at second base. Really, like he sure. really is, he has he has really here. been a, an unbelievable find for them. But the, but but look, not there. The organization is not going to be totally together on every single decision maybe that's like the one thing that i should probably say here it's like if you think that (laughs) everybody is sitting around in a room saying yes sir yes sir that's what we should do it's not the way it works they have different opinions there there is some divisions some some something birdie should be a starter i mean that's just the way it is And, and really he went out and earned it again uh but look it's jazz chisholm is is a dynamic young face of the fan franchise type player you have to understand the need to allow him to play and, and and to get a start uh, on opening day. I still believe against the lefties that come in that could really expose Jazz, I do think Birdie's going to play against left-handed pitching uh, at second. And so Birdie will play the infield and he'll play the outfield.
0: Yeah, Birdie is, is that Swiss Army knife that every... Uh, good baseball team really does need and his versatility will probably be put to the test throughout this season. Also, just personally, I'm very excited to see what Brian Anderson looks like in a lineup that probably has the most for a guy who's already developed, not when he was so young, the most professional hitters around him that he's ever been surrounded by in terms of depth around him in the order. So I'm excited to see the way he performs that way. And speaking of that depth, a lot of it comes from the Marlins outfield. So what does the Marlins outfield look like this season as we head
1: into opening day today? Starling Marte will be with the club for 162. And they're very excited about seeing him Mm -hmm. play doesn't get talked about enough. What kind of player he is. I would agree. This is an all-star great player that can change a game. He is a proven player. It was a great trade for them last year to make that deal. And he could end up being the best hitter on the team at the end of the season. There's no doubt. They have no questions at center field. Fantastic player. Uh, Left field is Corey Dickerson, who there is a little bit of pressure on to have a better season. I think both for him, we probably tell you. And I think within the organization, they gave him a pretty decent amount of money. They would like to see him perform. I, I think Corey Dickerson has all of April and May and June to, to perform. I don't know that he has five months to have a bad season, but I think that he's, a proven big league player, an all-star caliber guy, but the leash, the leash is not six months. He's got to perform in the first few months of the season or or he's going to lose playing time. Um, And then Adam Duvall, who will start the season in right field. You just, you just have to know with Adam Duvall at some point this season, he's going to be the hottest player in all of major league baseball. I don't know when that's going to be. Uh, he's going to carry them for weeks. It's going to happen. He did. He's done it wherever he's been Cincinnati, Atlanta, We're, we could be looking at Duvall in April and going, why is he one for 20? And then he'll hit five home runs in a week. Yep. Uh, but at the time that he is hot, you want to have him in the lineup. If they could figure out when that's going to be, it'd be great because then they could manage <laughs> yeah. around the outfield. But I, I, I am not worried at all. I think at the end of the season, Adam Duvall is going to end up with 20 to 25 home runs and an on-base percentage of 33%, 32%, 2%, gonna bat, batting average 250, 260, maybe a little bit higher than that. It's a very good player. He's very dangerous, and he's gonna win games for them over a different spurts of time. It's not, it's not like super consistency with him. It's right. like, remember when Adam Duvall had a great May? Like that's kind of the kind of guy I think he's gonna be. And then Lewis Brinson will play against left-handed pitching when Corey Dickerson gets days off. Sometimes when Adam Duvall gets days off in right field and there's a lefty for whatever reason, maybe they shift Duvall over to left, Brinson plays right, and then Magneris Sierra will get another opportunity to be an extra guy. And and when they play extra inning games, he'll be the pinch runner, he'll pinch run, he'll pinch hit, and try and build on what happened uh, last year with him. So he is basically the fifth outfielder once again If he, if he had options. Would he be with the club? I don't know. But I, I thought he was the, their most improved player last year. And I think Miami's doing a really nice thing by rewarding Lewis Brinson and rewarding Sierra mm-hmm. and, and, and showing showing basically other players, hey, if you perform well for us and you show improvement, you're going to earn a spot on the roster. But look, like every other player in baseball, there's pressure on them to perform. If they do, you'll see them. And if you don't, they'll be in AAA or in Sierra's case, he would have to be optioned.
0: Yeah, well, based off everything we've spoken about here, it feels like since you and I have started doing this podcast that going into opening day, this is certainly the most complete team that the Marlins have put together on opening day since we've started doing this, just in terms of top to bottom on the roster. But what in a National League East that most people would say is the best division in baseball at this point, at the very least the deepest, what are reasonable expectations for this team and what are your personal expectations for what we can expect from the Miami Marlins this year?
1: Sure. I was, I went on MLB network the other day and, and I, and I said the time is now in a lot of different ways for them. The time is now to turn the corner and time is now to start winning. The time is now very soon. I mean, I, I can't say it's April. The time is now for fans to start going back to the games again. Mm-hmm. And, and in a very big way this summer, like, like they need fan attendance to start happening now, like that, that has to begin. And, and I understand with, with, with the restrictions right now, it's only 20, 25%, but I, I fully anticipate this summer, the ability for anyone who wants to, to be able to go to a game. I am, and look, I've looked for tickets myself because I want, I want to bring my son and normally I'm accommodated in a lot of these situations and have been for mm-hmm. many years. I will, I will say that. And, and it's very tough this year. The tickets are, are, are expensive because, again, of the limited availability with that. So I've said that the time is now. I think they're stealing that from me for their their, lo- their saying. <laughs> I think that's out there. So if it is, no, it came from me. That's for sure. I'm picking the Marlins to win 79 games this year. I think that they will finish fourth. I, I don't think they will finish last. Uh, I think that Washington will be at the bottom. I'm, I'm very concerned with their club going into the season, A lot of moving and shifting around from the infield, uh, their top prospect going to the minors, having forcing Castro to play third again. They really don't have a second baseman. I've heard from some people, their bullpen is shaky. I'm picking Washington last. I'm picking Miami fourth with 79 wins. And then I've got the Phillies. I've got the Mets. And then I've got the Braves at the top. And I do think the Phillies will be better than Miami. And I think that the Mets will be Miami as well. Uh, what, what would it take, Jeremy, for Miami to make the postseason? And what would it take for me to pick them to win more than 79 games? Which, by the way, is probably the most bullish prediction that anybody has had with 79 <laughs> wins. Um, but I, I do believe in them. I think that they're going to be a good team. For me to pick them to be above 500, three, four, five more wins, it's a war conversation. And, and what that means for me is that on July 31st, when the trade deadline comes, uh, what what will the team look like in August and September? And if I combine the war of Corey Dickerson and Starling Marte and Adam Duvall and Anthony Bass, and I know, hold, hold your eyes, Miguel Rojas and John Birdie and some of these other players, if Miami looks up at that standing and they're having a good year, but they're really far behind Atlanta, and they're really far behind the Mets and the postseason does not look realistic and things go a little sideways, meaning they have a chance to finish 500, but there's a better chance that they're not going to be in the postseason in October. How can I come on this podcast and say, they're going to be above 500 when I genuinely think they're going to trade all those guys that I mentioned or some of right. them and, and the replacement players that they have coming. I am sorry. They are not ready outside of JJ bladey is probably the only one of all of these outfielders that they have in the minors that I think that can come up and make a very big impact immediately. I don't see it. I don't think those players are ready. It's, it's, you know, partially their fault. They acquired the players, but it's also partially the, the fault that they have not had minor league seasoning at AAA, a double a, they just haven't had the reps. You could say, well, what about other teams? Aren't they in the same situation? I don't think so. I think other teams do have viable backup options. Miami is very thin with the hitting with the pitching they could lose a guy or two and they just call another guy up i, I right. understand that they have depth there they, they i don't think they'd have a depth with the hitting i personally don't so that's why i'm picking 79 after this podcast is over and you've listened to it and you're in the miami marlins organization because i know y'all listen to it i know you do you can text me and say hey craig no matter what on july 31st no matter what our record is we're going to keep Corey Dickerson. We're going to keep Starling Marte. We're going to keep Adam Duvall, Anthony Bass, Miguel Rojas, John Birdie, uh, Garrett Cooper, Aguilar. We're keeping them all, no <laughs> matter what the record is. If you could tell me that I'll give you 84, 85 wins. Cause I think yep. you're that good. Yep. But you can't tell me that. And, and by the way, probably would be the right thing to do if they fall a little bit out of it to trade those guys, Jeremy, a lot of those players are on one year deals. I don't think That's that people realize that. Corey mm-hmm. Dickerson's deal is done. Starling Marte's deal is done. If they chose to move on from Adam Duvall, they could in a second. Same thing with Jesus Aguilar. Garrett Cooper, arbitration. They could move him somewhere else. There's a lot of players that are easily mm-hmm. movable, by the way, that other teams would take for a postseason run. Do I hope that happens? No. Would I love for them to be a winning team and chasing the postseason? Yes. I got to be realistic. I think the club is around a 500 team. And and with, with the movement of players, I look at backups and I look and say, okay, they trade Dickerson. Who's the backup? Who would they bring up? Okay, yeah, J.J. Blade. All right, fine, you know, for a yeah. month or two. Cool. Now try to do center field for me. Right. And now try to do right field for me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can't. You can't do it and say, oh, that's, oh, they got a great option there. They don't. So 79 wins for me. Marlins finished fourth. That's my prediction for 2,000. And 21.
0: Well, and with everything that you're saying, for, for the Marlins fans who listen to this podcast, who are the diehards, or even those of you who might be listening for the first time today, that to me sounds like a really entertaining season, right? Because what we're saying is that this team is a as presently constructed, just about an 84-85 win ball club. That's a good competitive baseball I think they team are that might be better this season than they were last season, despite what could be technically a worse result in terms of the standards. Very true. Very and true. so when you look at this team, and you look at least until July 31st, you're going to be watching some really good baseball. As long as they stay healthy, not only on the mound, but obviously with position players, including those corner outfielders. But what is really fun about this team is, and I think most South Florida sports fans can appreciate the concept of the expiring contract being traded away for assets. We just saw the Miami Heat do it in some respects. And now you theoretically could see the Marlins do that at the deadline with guys who are on the last year of deals. When you see your team sort of take advantage of that situation and add to what is already a pretty deep farm system, that can only be a positive thing. But hopefully the conversation we're having come July 31st is, Hey, look at the Marlins who are in first place and their
1: buyers. And who knows?
0: It's not an impossible
1: scenario. They're a talented team. They could could, could definitely be in it, but it's like, if you ask the question, dissect the 2021 season, yes. July 31st is on the calendar as a date. And so is August the 1st. I, I, that's not the goal, but that's part of the puzzle of the 2021 season. And, and a lot of what I do on my show on Sports Grid is I'm picking teams to go over or under their win total. It's, it's, it's a very common practice. And when I do that, that's a big part of the conversation is you have to look at the expiring contracts and say, well, if they're not the Dodgers with 100 wins, right. what are they going to do on that day? And, and I don't know the answer to that. I hope that Miami keeps their guys. And I hope that they're in it. And I hope I can sit back here and say, hey, you know, remember when I said that I thought they could win 84, 85? Well, they kept those guys and that's why they did it. But I'm not going to be a sucker and do this and <laughs> say, you know, well, Craig, what happened? They only won 77 games. Well, I mean, the reason why is because they kind of fell out of it and moved the guys. You know, so that's 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 just part of the entire puzzle. And, and I think you have to look at it that way. You can't just blindly say, I think Miami's going to win X amount of games. Got to break it down. Why? for against and that's what we do
0: i'm gonna prices right you and uh say the marlins win 80 games just take one 80 games. over there we go okay. uh craig why don't you as, as we wrap this up um we do have a special guest here at the end of our podcast yes. why don't yes. you tell our swings and misses listen listeners a little bit about that right before we wrap up
1: Yes, well, we are, our guest here on the show as we wrap up is a young man named Isaac Edelman who goes to West Boca High School, who is a huge South Florida sports fan and is an aspiring broadcaster, even at the age of 14. I've spoken to him before. We've chatted. He has some very good opinions on sports. And look, in the spirit of of being kind and in the spirit of giving somebody a boost, I would suggest you follow Isaac on on Twitter. He's very intelligent for his age. I think that at some point he will be a broadcaster, whether or not it is here or somewhere else. That's always, you know, hmm. Jeremy, you went to Orlando for school. I mean, people move yep. around, that happens. But I wanted to bring Isaac on for the last few minutes of the podcast to show that the future of sports broadcasting is in really good hands if if people like Isaac are around to be passionate about it.
0: Absolutely. Um, I really enjoyed getting to meet Isaac as we did this interview. Um, And this should be a really great Marlin season. I hope you guys uh, enjoy it. Obviously follow us at swings and mishes on both Twitter and Instagram. If you don't already like subscribe rate review, do all the things you're supposed to do with this podcast. And then just a personal plug here. I will be doing a uh, pregame show for Valley sports, Florida, digitally tomorrow or i guess that's today i will be doing a pregame show digitally today for Bally sports florida um you can check that out on our social channels i'll be promoting it at awesome. jeremy tache awesome so, so, I l- looking listen forward i can't to wait
1: it. to see you and you the, the job that you're doing covering the heat and and the marlins and then doing the breakfast shows and all of those other things is just it's just fantastic. It's a shame that you're going to end up leaving me soon, but it was no, really a good, it was a great run. No,
0: no, 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 none of that. We're not even we're not even
1: putting that juju out there. Absolutely all right, not. all right. But if you do, I won't be upset. It's okay. Okay. All right. Well,
0: Marlins fans, we're still together for now. We're loving this season and enjoying it. I hope you all enjoy your season
1: and enjoy this interview with youngster Isaac Edelman. And as we close out this episode of Swings and Mishes, I thought it would be interesting to have one of the younger guests that we've ever had here on our show. Isaac Edelman is just a huge sports fan and is a uh, supporter of all South Florida sports. And, and I think one day is going to end up hiring me for something. I don't know. I just, I kind of have a feeling he's going to be my boss. So I thought, let me, let me get a good, good head start here and start you know buttering him up, get him to know me and kind of beg for forgiveness. And one day when, I do something wrong, and then I need to reach out for him for a job. But in all seriousness, uh, hello, Isaac. Thank you for coming on our podcast here.
2: Thanks, Craig. Thanks so much for having me on.
1: I appreciate it. Now, how old are you, Isaac? 14. 14 years old. And you have your own podcast, and you have your own interviews that you do. Is that right?
2: Yep, correct.
1: Well, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm an aspiring sports broadcaster, just wanting to cover uh, any South Florida sports team, maybe even any sports team uh, in the future, you know, just trying to get my name out there at such a young age and trying to interview sports uh, players, broadcasters, you know, any influencers in that category.
1: And you said you're, you're 14. What school do you go to?
2: West Boca High School.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. And, and, and how is it that you uh, get to all the, have you, have you do, I mean, the last year has been really tough, but I, I saw that if I'm not mistaken, I think you went to a spring training game. I think I saw that on social media. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I went to uh, Marlins national spring training game about a week ago. Uh, that was fun. It's been tough during COVID, but uh, I feel like it's certainly easier because I could reach out to people and do interviews with them. Virtually, like I would do, even in a normal, you know, place with no COVID, you know, no nothing going on.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. It's been tough for us too. I mean, a lot of these. I mean, it's, it's actually easier for for most people who don't normally have access because they get to do all the Zooms, like you mentioned. Harder for somebody like me that likes to be there in person, for sure. But I, you know, I, I think Isaac, it's a it's a good place to start here with you being 14 years old and I think that anybody who's listening to this podcast, whether you're young or you're old and you're just kind of aspiring to get into the broadcast field, what, what do you think that ultimately when you end up going, let's say, and you're not even in high school yet, but when you go to high school and you go to college, like what, what is it that you think that you wanna do?
2: Um, look, anything in the media industry, uh, even if it's being a beat writer for a site, um, really anything that I could walk into a stadium not Marlins Park anymore. American Airlines Arena, BB&T Center. Right. Really you're
1: all changing the names, you know? Exactly. Jeremy Taché Park was one of the suggestions, but they, they didn't go with that one. Not a, yeah, not I shot a- it down. No name
0: image likeness issues for me.
1: No, he didn't want to go with that. Maybe Edelman Park, Isaac, at some point. Maybe. Maybe so. Um, all right, so uh, before, before we go here, I, I know that a lot of people are kind of wondering, you know, what, what you're doing here on Swings and Mishes, but Isaac, I just wanted to thank you personally because I know that in my opinion, uh, people like yourself who at a very young age are trying to do this every once in a while could use a little bit of a boost, a little bit of help for people awareness. You can follow Isaac on Twitter, uh, at Isaac Edelman. Once upon a time, I was your age, I don't mean to sound old, but I guess I am, where I was, I was trying to get into businesses and, and trying to get into the field. And I think that you're starting off in the right spot for sure, whether or not you, you do it here in South Florida or somewhere else. I don't think that's all that important. I think that's very important also for for people to know that sometimes you have to go away to come back. But uh, Isaac, I definitely wish you all the best in your journey for sure. And and I want people to follow you on Twitter or follow all of your work throughout the season. And, and hopefully we'll get a chance to see each other in person at some point this season too.
2: Hopefully that should be a plan.
1: All right, Isaac Edelman with us here on Swings and Mishes. And that will do it for this episode here. And uh, hopefully you guys have a great opening day. Your girls have a great opening day. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of our show. We will be back weekly now that the 2021 season is underway here on Swings and Mishes. Don't forget to go to swingsandmishes.com. Catch David Fernandez's great writing work. Also, Daniel Alvarez, Oscar Rojas going to be having a new podcast out soon. That'll do it. Opening day is here. See ya.